Julio, guess what? Chicken butt. That too, but this is our 80th episode. Our Jerry Rice. That's fun. Look at that. That's a fun fact. Yeah, our Jerry Rice. I'll take that. Look at that. Uh, uh, Former Niners and Raiders legend. I only know him as a Raider. You don't know him as a Niners. I I, I didn't know he was the greatest. I didn't know he played on the Niners. What are you talking about? Okay. Uh, Town Tailgate Podcast. We're back for another episode. Uh, Brought to you by Fan First Podcast Network. What's up? I'm Chris. And the, hey, that's Julio. Hey, what's up, Follow everybody? On Twitter at Town Tailgate. Um, on the X. Had some, it's been. Uh, a, it's been. What were you gonna say? I say follow us on X. On X, yeah, dude. So what is with? What is know. with that? I don't. I don't understand that. I, that's just Elon's ego getting well, to him. Do you think? I was just talking about this with some coworkers yesterday. I'm like, what's up with these like yeah. billionaire? CEOs who think they can just like completely rebrand their what's their company is known for. So we're like obviously like Twitter and X. Meta. Well that too. And then um HBO Max just going by Max. It's like, no, why drop the most significant thing you know you're known for? That that is different because uh a lot of middle America watches they don't watch HBO shows because it's like it's a tone that they're not into but they watch all the discovery shows so they were trying to go with something that was like neutral that would bring the middle america families into like hbo content if you just make it hbo then they felt like it would only reach like the coastal like population the coastal elites i listened to a whole whole podcast about it it was it's interesting also you have to remember discovery bought hbo bought time warner so they're like no we're not gonna give you give warner brothers or hbo the like the credit like we we this this is us we, we run the show now type of thing um so before you know the listeners get in their baseball content they can get their entertainment content um uh oakland a's made some moves we'll talk about that um and uh kind of like what, what what went down during the deadline um and how the future has been playing uh pretty well which one of them has been a pretty nice little spotlight the other one struggling a little bit but we'll see what happens um we got one more coming uh but we'll start with national news, Julio. Um, the Baltimore Orioles have officially claimed first place in the AL East. I believe they are second best record in the American League. Um, wow, considering where they were a year ago, this is quite the team to to. This is quite quite the comeback. And they're only going to get better because they still have yeah. multiple top prospects who haven't even touched like AAA yet. It's like their future's freaking set. It's, I think the thing that's most impressive is like, I think a lot of people knew that this team was going to click at some point, but how quickly they've turned it around when Adley Rutschman got called up last summer and how a year later he was in his first full season's already an all-star. It's pretty, ins- it's pretty insane. It's You got to give credit where credit's due to Brendan Hyde's really done a great job of managing all those young kids out there bringing yeah. in some nice mix of veterans as well with like Aaron Hicks. Everybody thought he was dead as a Yankee, but he's actually been yeah, a pretty dude. solid guy out there as Cedric Mullins has burned there. And it's been a ton of fun. Uh, I think it's a great story for baseball when a team like this can really like jump out of the gate to become competitive. Yeah. I think the coolest thing about it is, um, I- what's the word i'm looking for it 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 
considering all the talent that you saw in that division coming into it, there was four teams that were like, oh, man. Or there was three real heavy hitters, and then the, the Red Sox, you're always just kind of like, Red Sox are always interesting. I mean, they are in the playoffs two years ago. Who knows? And then for this team to come in in that, that powerhouse division and just like play consistent baseball, I think that's that's kind of been the key to their, their success is like all the other teams are pretty inconsistent in that division, and they have consistently been – above average the entire season and it's paid off like when the other teams are going through slumps they're they're still consistently winning a majority of their games of the week so i don't know i mean they're very young which is interesting so that's always kind of an interesting little um i don't want to say red flag but you know addition to like a playoff team like can a young playoff team like that make a run in the playoffs i don't think so um me and you were texting about it last week I think and we were talking about like the real contenders in 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 just major league baseball in general and it's it's kind of I only really like one in the American League and that's the the Rangers especially after the moves they made at the deadline but I don't know I mean I, it it I, the, the Orioles fans have like suffered pretty much since the early 2010s so it's kind of nice to see them have some success finally and we'll see what happens with them and <clears throat> yeah they're young and they're fun and they're interesting and I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's just got Judge back though. I, I don't. I haven't looked at their record recently, but they're the Yankees are done, man. Rodon, uh, Carlos so. Rodon's back on the IL. They're just like a morally like they're they're emotionally checked out at this point. You hear all the stuff that happened with Domingo Herman, like pretty much yeah, showing up yeah. just like shit face drunk, and then having to throw him in a saw yeah. to sober him up. It's like this team's done. This team, Aaron Boone's lost these guys. Uh, he's. I think he's for sure gone by the end of the year at this point. It's crazy. I don't and know, man. I don't think it's. And Cashman, the thing is, Cashman ceases to like surprise me in the things. I mean, the not even Cashman. The Steinbrenner family ceases to surprise me in in like the stupid moves they continue to make. Brian Cashman has had that job for twenty over twenty five years, and he hasn't really done much. the The World Series at the beginning of the of his run were not as a result of his front office work. It was the previous GM before that is the one who found all those guys and put them together. He's won one world series in 2009, which was just like, I'm going to buy up as I'm going to just going to, I'm going to buy this world series. It's what it was. It was a successful version of, of the Steve Cohn Mets that we saw this year. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, if both of them are still there, even though both of them should definitely be fired. Yeah. They both should be fired. I think Boone's going to be the fall guy really get it but you know i'm looking through all these kind of advanced statistics as baltimore as a team and it's interesting like it's interesting how they are leading this division because if you look at a lot of the stuff that really makes a team great um when it comes to home run or like whip for as a team um era like on base percentage slugging ops like multiple of the teams that they're ahead of are ahead of in these categories. So it's interesting how yeah. they're like still finding ways to win. They're still finding um, just like beyond belief. Maybe it's a strength of schedule. I don't know, but it's pretty interesting. But their strength of schedule can't be too much different than the rest of the ALEs though. Or at least when they're they playing guys, the you know? Divisions. Yeah. So okay. they currently yeah. have a three game lead. Uh, they're three games over Tampa who has 
really they're starting to play better in the last team Dude, game. It looks Mc, like uh, Shane McClanahan just got hurt though. Yeah, I I think he's there. That's a pretty big uh, that's a pretty big loss, right? There. He's probably going to be done for the season, uh, realistically. And then yeah. Toronto's seven games out, and they're playing really good ball. They're so good, yeah. we'll see. Like in you know, Chris, you're the betting man here. If would you? I don't know. Let's say if it's uh, plus pull up the odds. Yeah, whatever the odds are for them to take the division at this point, would you be willing to take that bet at this point? Because personally, I wouldn't. I'm still going, even though we got a month and a half of season left, I'm still going to lean into the veteran experience that Tampa has built with that core and going to World Series together. And also just the world of the playoff experience from a lot of these guys in uh, Toronto as well. So I would take that experience of what's happened in Baltimore. You ready for this? Um, Give it to me. Minus two twenty to win the division is Baltimore right now. Uh, Tampa is plus two ten. Toronto's plus one thousand. Boston's plus twenty five thousand. Um, and then New York is plus twenty two thousand. Would you take that as that uh, minus two twenty? No, that's not a good bet. I wouldn't take that. I would take I would take Tampa or I would take Baltimore. Baltimore. I mean, I would take Toronto. Toronto has amazing odds, and I and they don't have any injuries right now. I think that's just interesting. I don't know. Plus one thousand. I might bet on that tonight. Um. All right. <laughs> um, uh, moving on. Uh, Dodgers with all their pitching, starting pitching issues, have their ace. Just coming up around the corner. Hopefully be ready right before playoff time. Um, he's in a rehab assignment right now. Walker Bueller. Um, this is huge for the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are currently in first place by, let's see how many games. Sorry, I don't have it up. Um, go away. Um, they are in first place by six games right now over San Francisco. Wow, that's a kind of a, that's a pretty nice little lead. Um, I guess, well, the Giants... They lost the series before the A's, and they got swept by the A's. So that's probably didn't help them very much. Um, but to get their ace back, and hopefully he's in, like, if he's in 85% form of Walker Bueller, he's going to be a huge help for that team coming into the playoffs. Absolutely. Especially with Kershaw just came back today. Julio just came back a few weeks ago. Uh, Lance Lynn looked sharp in his first game back because, of course, yeah. of course, the Dodgers strategy of just picking up guys who kind of sucked on their respect, respective teams this year is already paying off with like Kike's. <laughs> yeah. Kike's like he never yeah. left, and then Ahmed yeah. Rosario looks like he did a few years ago when he was like a borderline. Sometimes all-star. it's just a scenery change, man. Sometimes I mean, especially like Kike, he feels more at home. He probably has like less pressure on him and. You know, because when the when the Boston brought him in, he was supposed to be like one of the guys. So I I, I think that's important. Julio, he, he, every time he comes back, he he fucking struggles though. He's got to have a lingering lingering injury or something like that because I I just can't. He's back, but I I can't like put faith in that he's gonna like have his stuff back to what it was in two thousand twenty two. And yeah, we'll see about with him. I think he's a bit of the wild card, but he. His last couple starts, he has pitched a little bit better. He had some pretty rocky starts from coming out of the um, uh, coming out of the IL. And to me, I'm not worried about their rotation. I think the rotation's going to be fine at the end of the yeah. day because it's like they always just 
their Dodgers know how to run this front or their front office knows how to operate an actual like starting rotation. Uh, the fact that like they didn't do a ton to really address the bullpen outside of bringing back Joe Kelly and then um, yeah. you know Blake Joe Kelly hasn't had a very good season. Yeah, either. and then Blake Trinan, uh, he might be coming back pretty soon too. That's where I'm seeing more of the woes. Where like you got yeah. teams are like the only teams that have a have given up more runs in the National League than the Dodgers have are the Rockies, the Nationals, the Reds, and the Cardinals for bullpens. So that's more of a factor to me that I'm if if they're going to find any way they can try to get a little bit better. But it's like, what do you do at that but point? But what's worse about that is they have a manager who's an analytical um, like loyalist to a fault, and he won't let his pitchers go past six innings. So it's like he use, he is, his bullpen's not good, and he relies on it too much. So it's like, what is it? What is he gonna do when it comes playoff time? Like, is he gonna ride his starters because he has a history of not doing that? Even though his bullpen, but he's always had a successful bullpen. So with a bad bullpen, will he, will he, stop being stubborn and and let his starters go a little bit longer if they're playing well? Like, you know, there's just a lot of questions to. There's there's a, a, the manage the managerial style is is a lot more involved in this pitching staff than I think most pitching staffs in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little um, like helicopter parent for like the, yeah. uh, uh, that's a good term, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Um, but I think the big <laughs> thing too with Walker coming back is. Give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, yeah, I had to about that one. The biggest thing too is just like he's going to be on a pitching restriction. And I'd imagine he's probably not going to come back until what, early September, late August. He had, so he has his first, he had he had his first rehab assignment today. Okay, uh, was it in Double A, Triple A? Did it say? I didn't. I forgot to. Okay. Check. But it's still like. So he's probably means he's probably a week and a half away. So you're do realistically does Dave Roberts think that a month and a half is going to be enough time for this guy to get back into potentially going into a playoff series and giving you six innings? Yeah. It's like we'll see. I think he will i don't think he really has a lot of options in terms of experience uh i'd rather take him over you know bobby miller right now over um oh god who's the other young picture they got over there and it's not like he's coming back in like in like june or may he's coming back at the end of the season so it's like okay you go hard for a month and a half hopefully hopefully a month and a half maybe a month there's playoff run and then you can rest all off season yeah exactly just give it one last go see what they can do with it because they're they're one of the true out true uh contenders that we both believe that could win the world series this year yeah are you uh, if going in what would your what would your rotation be going into the to the playoffs if you're dave roberts um kershaw lynn julio uh and then bueller you put bueller as the fourth fourth day starter yeah um just because of like if if i'm kind of old school in the way of like going left right left right and and how rotations are going to be spat out um yeah and plus like that way you're going to line it up if it's going to be a game five kershaw will be there to be your guy or game seven or whatever would be yeah okay all right folks you all saw it on twitter some of you probably wondering what we thought about it the brawl heard around the world julio Last week, the White Sox were playing the uh, Cleveland Guardians, almost said the old name, the Cleveland Guardians, 
and Jose Ramirez steals second base. Slides in there, head first, safe. Tim Anderson, who is a shortstop, goes over to lay down the, the tag, and he's straddling second base. So Jose Ramirez has to slide in between his legs. Tries to go for the tag, doesn't get it. Uh, Jose Ramirez is called safe. Tim Anderson kind of stands there and pauses for a second, which is, you know, that's just gamesmanship. That's just sports 101. You're trying to get in the get in the guy's head, try to bug him, try to piss him off so he's off his game a little bit. Stands there, kind of holds the tag down while he watches the umpire, like, call him safe. Sits there, holds there for a second, and Jose Ramirez is not having it. Throws his hand up. Is like, kind of like, get the fuck out of the way, bro. What are you doing? And Tim Anderson's like, whoa, bro, you trying to go? You trying to go? And Jose Ramirez gets up and they start yelling at each other. And then Tim Anderson throws his glove down and squares up and start and, and, and wants to fight. And Jose Ramirez is like, okay, bro, you want to do this? Let's fucking do it. And he squares up too. Tim Anderson throws about th- three punches and Jose Ramirez, I think, throws like one, which was like kind of a side one. Tim Anderson got like three pretty solid punches in. And then Jose puts up a right hook, just fucking decks Tim Anderson right in the cheek. Tim Anderson goes down, knocked out cold. It was like a UFC fight. It was like watching McGregor knock out fucking Jose Aldo like 10 years ago in UFC, whatever it was. Out for the count. Fucking fight's over. It gets broken up. Um, The benches get cleared. It gets kind of crazy, but for the most part, fight gets broken up. Two teammates pick up Tim Anderson He's out of it. He's like, what the fuck just happened? What's going on? Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. They're walking him back to the dugout, and he's kind of coming to, and he's, like, feeling himself more, and he, like, you kind of see, he goes, like, wait, no, fuck that. Let me go back. And they're like, no, 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 you can't go back. He tries to turn to go back to, like, go fight Jose Ramirez, and he stumbles and falls, and he's just, like, out of it. You know, this guy's just, yeah. Um, We have seen a few uh, epic brawls in our day, Julio. Uh, The... uh, Obviously, Joey Bats and um, Rudnett Odor. Rudnett Odor punch was a good one. Um, I mean, there, you can my, go on the list. My personal favorite ever one. Seen... My personal favorite before we go into well, let's yeah. get that is still like when Johnny Cueto was on the Reds and they were playing. I forgot who, but like Johnny Cueto is like pushed up against like the 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 backstop and like netting. And he's just going all kicks. All kicks. He's getting pushed back. So he's just fucking anybody who wants to get a, a cleat, they can get it. That will, do you remember do that one? You got to do. No, I don't. I'll uh, find the link and I'll send it to the side. But anyways. I, my point is I have never seen someone get knocked out cold in a baseball fight. That was pretty fucking wild. And look, <clears throat> I think your first – when I first heard it, the first uh, inclination is to feel like bad for Tim Anderson. You're like, oh man, like, like what happened? Like, and you're like, fuck Joe, fuck uh, Jose Ramirez, like fucking just like knocking someone out. Then you watch it and it's like Tim Anderson instigated it. He's the one first one who threw his gloves down, like, you know, and it, it was just, it was sweet karma for uh, Jose Ramirez just to fucking get him back and knock him out. Crazy. They both got suspended six games for the fight as they probably should be. Um, but yeah, again, I've never seen that. Uh, just a clean knockout. It was like literally watching a UFC fight. The best part of the whole thing is if you go back and listen to, if you haven't heard it yet, folks, 
go and listen to the Guardians radio broadcast call for the play. Because it's a very standard baseball play that Jose Ramirez hits it in this. Because it was a double. Um, they hits it. He's yeah. close to second. Tannerson with the tag. He's safe. Jose Ramirez is safe at second place. Second base. Yada, and they're getting. Oh, they're going to fist. Oh, they're throwing punches. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Oh, yeah. It was just Down goes Frazier. Perfect. Oh, perfect call. And they interviewed Jose Ramirez after the game. They're like, what happened? This is not kind of you. And he's like, you know what? Tim Anderson's been. Kind of disrespectful for a while, and it was just kind of was kind of the boiling point. And I think it yeah. really led to I think both of those guys are probably super frustrated with how their seasons have been going. Jose Ramirez has been awesome again. If the Guardians were a yeah. much better team, he would probably be in MVP con- like conversations again. But they're just they're super inconsistent in a division that they should be winning. And Tim Anderson, you know. Chris, I know he's your boy. You've been a Tim Anderson fan for a while. He sucks this year. He has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, I know he's bad, been injured. Dude. He just hasn't yeah. had a good year. And um, I think th- that's why no one went for him at the deadline because they're like, I don't know how much this guy's going to help us. He's playing like shit. It, I, dude, I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's something else going on because how the mm. Lance Lynn was terrible this year. He got a six ERA and he still got traded. And then, like, Lucas Giolito sucked. He still got traded. Why wasn't he going to get traded? Yeah, so, but those are the only two guys. Like, all these other dudes, didn't, like, like fucking Jimenez didn't get traded. It, it, we're going off topic, but yeah. So, there is a, if I remember right, there is a story about Tim Anderson. And they're saying a big part of uh, what's been going on is that he uh, got involved with a mistress and that a part of the reason why his season's been so all over the place is that he got his mistress knocked up and his wife found out. Mm. And it's like, here, I'll, I'll also send you this link on this. Tim side. Anderson doesn't seem like a guy who has a wife. I'm a little shocked to hear that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a bummer. I hope, I was really hoping he would get traded because he's a person that we we I like. I know he said he, you're, he's your boy. I've always loved Tim Anderson. I think he's just awesome. He always plays with a good attitude. I, I, hits I don't a crap claim out of the ball. I, I I don't own him. <laughs> no, but like I feel like whenever you you're a fan of him, I feel like if there's for, yeah, yeah, if there's some yeah, players yeah. that I would say that don't play for the A's that I know you personally like and root for. Yeah, Tim Anderson is at the top. Of that yeah, league. exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, he got suspended six games. Jose Ramirez got suspended three. Um, and then uh, Emmanuel Classe got suspended a game. The be- another best part about... What did he do? I can't remember. Um, I'm instigating. Uh, doesn't say specifically. But the other best part, too, is that the brawl start The uh, umpire at second, the brawl starts. He tries to break it up. He pretty much just sees... Oh, this shit's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to break this yeah, up. And he just, and he just backs off. We need that more that in baseball. Have that happen at yeah. least twice a year in baseball, and this is going to be the biggest sport in the world. Yeah. It, that that felt like a very much a hockey moment. Like, all right, let's let these guys duke it out. <laughs> it, was, it was so great. It's like, obviously, there's some oh. deeper shit that umpires know about, and they're like, nope, just go. Yeah. Do it. 1,000%. Um all right cool that's the national news um we're gonna take a break and then we'll come back with a's news and uh a's news 
Okay. A's news. Oh, yeah. And by the way, sorry, everybody. I uh, have a little bit of a cough. I picked up this past uh, weekend, so that's why I sound nasally and all shitty. Julio brought it up during the break, and I was like, oh, yeah, I probably should say something. Um, but, yeah, that's me. Uh, Julio, are you excited for football? Yeah, buddy. Every day I'm getting a little bit more excited and drinking that Jimmy G might be actually good for the Raiders Kool-Aid. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, we'll see. I watched Hard Knocks though, and it was ninety percent Aaron Rodgers. I do like. Uh, and the, I watched. I I had play. I had the. I had the the um, NFL preseason on my TV today, which is because it's just nothing else on. I do like their uh, him and uh, Garrett Wilson's new little celebration, the toke. I'm like, all right. That's a uh, isn't that Sauce Gardner? That's oh, there. Sauce. My bad, That's Sauce. There. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yep, dope. Uh, check out Hard Knocks. All right, A's news. Um, here are the transactions from it. So from the deadline, but also since the deadline, if that makes sense. Um, this was a deadline move. Jace Peterson was traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Chad Patrick, right-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. Um, and then Sam Mole was traded to the Cincinnati Reds for a right-handed pitcher named Joe Boyle, also a um, bullpen pitcher. Uh, Manny Pena was released and Ramon Laureano last week was released, but there's some bright, there's a bright side to this folks. The man, the myth, the legend, the spring training MVP Lawrence Butler was brought up today to the big club and I tweeted it out. Get ready for August and September. Just be a fucking dinger derby. Cause this guy just hits home runs. Like it's nobody's fucking business. He's got power. He's athletic. He's got some speed and whatnot, but he, he can fucking hit the shit out of the ball. So the future is here. We talked about it last time. It is officially here. This entire, almost this entire team besides like Seth Brown is fucking young guys. Shay Langoliers will be catching. Cyrus, Tyler Soderstrom is going to be playing first. Zach Geloff is going to be playing second. Nick Gallon is going to be playing shortstop. Jordan Diaz is going to be playing third base. Esther Ruiz is finally healthy. He's back in center field. J.J. Bleday has been playing in the outfield. Now we're going to have Lawrence Butler to that mix. It's going to be great. Um, and we're going to see what potential we have. And Lawrence Butler, he's got an interesting role because he plays outfield and first base. But the rumor is that he's not a great fielder. So kind of the talk is that he's going to be a DH. I don't know what that means for Ryan Noto when he gets back and healthy. I don't know what that means for Seth Brown at the moment, but I would imagine most of his reps will be a designated hitter. Yeah, I'm excited what we're going to see, like new the new Oakland hype that they were all talking about in yep. spring training. Now it was a talk of us and Ace fans everywhere. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to do it. Um, before we kind of get too far into him, though, I kind of just want to talk about these moves that were made. Jace Peterson, uh, we hardly knew ye. You, you finally got to have your dream, and you got to be able to play in a desert. So there's that. <laughs> uh, Chad Patrick, it's very little is really known about him. Uh, he is a 24-year-old starting pitcher. Uh, he's coming out of the pen right now, but he came up as a starter. He was drafted in the fourth round by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, right now, his ERA is kind of all over the place as a career minor leaguer so far. Uh, with his best season being uh, one year where he had uh, 64 innings pitch and had a 197 ERA. And then back recently, as in uh, this year, he had a 
96 innings pitch. He had a, a 4.95 ERA. So we can at least see that like he's he can be a potential workhorse out of the pen. It's just what we're going to see out of him. Yeah, but Jace yeah, Peterson. I'm, if you're drafted in the fourth round, though, you're likely going to be a, a a relief pitcher. Like, there's not, there's probably not a lot of um, stamina there in your stuff. True, but you know who was also somebody who was drafted in the late round to Joe Boyle. Uh, Jacob Degrom was drafted in the ninth round. So, well, there you, go. You, you know, know, you know, you think, you I know, you're segueing to the next player. Sorry. You think, you know what it's like to talk, go in there and talk with these kids, but you don't, you don't. <laughs> Anyways, Joe Boyle, Moneyball. That's yeah. the, that's the weekly show. Moneyball quote, uh, Joe Boyle drafted out of the fifth round from university of Notre Dame. He is a right-handed pitcher. So this guy is going to be more exclusively bullpen out of the Cincinnati Reds organization uh this season he currently has a 420 era hey what's up look at that uh with a whip of close it dang it uh 1.59 so there's that what we're gonna see out of these guys i don't know if there's anything the a's really do well is to kind of find the diamonds in the rough when it comes to rotation their bullpen and uh really spin them out uh, Sam Mole has been one of the better relievers that the A's have had, and now they're getting potentially somebody else to kind of fit that same model that they had in the past. And uh, Manny Pena getting released, really, we just had too many cooks in the kitchen when it came to catchers. So I don't quite understand the Sam Mole move because he's not a free agent until 2028. He's not arbitration eligible until next offseason. Um, so that was weird. Maybe they're just trying to get younger. Um I mean, let me see. I mean, yeah, he's 31 years old, so that's probably what it is. But Mole's been solid. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Jace Peterson. Look, man, when they brought up when they brought up Jordan Diaz, that was kind of the writing on the on the wall. He was gone. I'd rather have Jordan Diaz. Jordan Diaz has hit six home runs in like 20 games. He's like fucking insane. He's playing really well, and he's playing. They were talking on the broadcast the other day. Um, Vince was saying that uh, Jordan's like what they were working on in development for him in the minors was he's not a very good fielder, but he's been making some insane plays over at third base. So I don't know if he's like just improved in the last year so much or, or we just need a longer um, sample size to see it, but he's been fucking kind of killing it. And the nice thing too, with just uh, coming up and being able to play, uh, play in Oakland is like, you can take advantage of that third, that third base, like foul grounds over there where like, yeah, you can kind of learn where the ball's gonna be going more, and maybe as time goes on, you'll kind of pick up the same abilities and transition into the actual stuff in the field. So that could help it out. The one thing that uh, before we kind of go into Ramon getting released, talk, I I think we were both super shocked that Lemus Diaz stayed on this roster. Uh, Tony Kemp, yeah. uh, he, I know he'd been hitting a little bit better, but it sounded like more of a courtesy on why he was staying. Uh, I saw a piece that. Uh, our good friend Jason Burke of uh, Sports yeah. Illustrated. Look at that. Pretty cool, right? Um, he had tweeted something about like, hey, TK is going to be a, a parent again in the coming weeks. And I think he probably made the decision to be like, don't trade me if that's possible because like I don't want to have to relocate and do all this other stuff. Obviously, this is all speculation. We have no rumors. But I think that makes sense. My personal opinion 
and um, you know you can agree with this or not, is that I wouldn't be shocked if this team did want to keep some veteran presence around. They did want to keep some guys who can be mentors to a lot of these young players and to help them get to that next level. And realistically, dudes like Jace Peterson and Ramon Liriano probably didn't want to be that. They probably didn't want to have to. Yeah, yeah, whereas TK, TK, what makes him so valuable is is he is a leader. He knows how to, like, talk to anybody on that team, and he really gives it his all, and I think that really translates to other members. And Ledevis Diaz... You know, maybe there's something we don't know about him. Maybe there is like a more of a leadership tangible. Maybe it is coming from like playing in Houston and St. Louis and kind of learning about those experiences that maybe it'll translate to another team. But I Paul Blackburn too, because he felt like a pretty clear like trade candidate because there wasn't a lot of starters available and and there some of these contenders. Paul Blackburn's better than some of these contenders. Number four, number five starters. Yeah, and if there's anything we learned about this Oakland front office, they don't care what they get in return. Just as long as they get a return, yeah. especially yeah. we're seeing uh, the Matt Olson trade kind of falling apart in front of our very eyes. I don't. That's not. I don't think that's fair. A fair judgment because the main, the key piece of that trade was Shea Langliers. One year is not enough sample size to see what he's worth. Yeah, of course. Sean, of course. Sean Murphy struggled in his rookie year. You know what I mean? Like, and then look at him. He became the stud. So it's like. You know, getting used to playing a hundred, like every, like you know, hundred and you know, as a catcher, hundred thirty probably games is probably hard to get used to. He's never done that in his life. His knees probably aren't used to that, and he's had even to carry a pretty heavy weight with that young pitching staff. And you know, there's a lot to it. I don't know. Yeah, obviously, that was a little bit more tongue in cheek with that one. But no, but I saw I saw something on Twitter before the before we started recording that it, that's so I it, it's it is relevant and triggered some it triggered so, me on something that's why. So with Ramon, like, <clears throat> did you expect it to go out like this? To, this is yeah. how it ended. Yeah, he wasn't gonna. I know you thought he was gonna get traded, but I mean, look at his stats the last since he's since he's come back from his suspension, he's been just fucking shit. So I I, I don't I don't see. Uh, you you typically think a lot higher of our of some of these guys when we get when the the A's are in these situations than I do. I I I I'm a little bit more um, pessimistic about that. And it's like if I'm a team like the Mariners and I need like a a fifth or fourth outfielder. Uh, like Ramon isn't even on my list uh, based on how he's played the past few years. Like, okay, maybe he could be a nice defensive piece in the playoffs, but like they're struggling to get to the playoffs. You know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know. And, and you could just kind of see him on the field. Like he just kind of has like no energy to him anymore. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not. And especially yeah. with how much young talent we have, it's like, we need to, we need to figure out what's going on with these guys first. And it's, I'm I'm not surprised either. He, there's no way. There's look. There's no nice way of saying this. Since he came back from suspension, he just hasn't been good. Whether yeah. is that a lineup thing? Is it maybe he just never got a click? No, the reality is he was not good for that whole entire time. So mm-hmm. I was hoping they trade trade him to see maybe if somebody would offer it. But it really looked like nobody was willing to offer it. He did get picked up pretty quickly. He's playing for the Guardians. And uh, he actually, I listened to the radio broadcasts, uh, I forgot what game it was, but they said a pretty interesting stat that in his first game as a Guardian, 
uh, he hit a go-ahead run, uh, double or something, and the Guardians won one nothing. And they said he becomes the first player, or he is the first player since Ramon Laureano in 2018 to have his first game be uh, the only RBI of the game with a new team. Very nitpicky. That's a sports. That's a sports center stat if I've ever heard one in my life. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Honestly, we got to root for this guy. Hopefully, he finds success in Cleveland. Hopefully, he can find it turn around. He was yeah. one of the more loved players throughout his time here. Um, but now it's it's TK. TK's the last one of that run. Once he's gone, then it's it's truly over. Is he the last one of that run? I mean, was he even on the? Oh, uh, he was on 2020. My my mistake. He was there for the 2020 okay. team, the division winning team. But uh, yeah, that's he's it. Maybe now even Caprillion was kind of in and out of there. Paul Blackburn had like a couple like pulled. He brought him up for a couple starts, but that's not really much. Yeah, Seth Brown wasn't here yet either. Wow, that's wild. That was fucking. 2021 was uh two years ago. We should have known what we had before it was gone, man. Man, did they clean house. That's <laughs> Make sure to turn the um, lights off on your way out. Do you have a right, favorite nice. do you have any uh specific favorite Ramon memories? Anything that come to your mind when you think of Ramon Hernandez, this is what you think I of. mean when we Ramon Hernandez or more Ramon, Ramon, Ramon Hernandez too. We, we love Ramon Hernandez, but Ramon Lariano. Uh, yeah, I mean, when he first, when he made that throw to first base to throw out whoever, um, in, was that in Anaheim? It was in Anaheim, no. yeah, where he made the, ca- the catch in center and then throwing from, it back. From the, from the warning track in center with no hops, just like straight to first base, and that's where he blew up on the scene. It was like, I think he was up with the club for a couple weeks then, and you're just like, whoa, what the fuck, who is this guy, and where did this arm come from? And then after that... He was just gunning guys down for about a month straight, and then nobody would run on him anymore. I remember that. Like, that playoff run, it was uh, – was that 2018? Yeah. Uh, I remember in watching the Yankees game, I was in uh, Budapest. I was watching it at, like, 4 in the morning coming home when I came home from the bar, um, watching it on my little uh, my little iPad. Uh, uh, and who, who was announcing that game? Uh, fuck. Hawaiian dude from the Mets. Oh my God! Shane Victorino? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Ron Darling. Ron Darling was saying in his analysis because it was, it was Ramon and Wright. It was, um, it was Marcana and left, and then in center. Oh my God! Why do I keep doing this? Or no, Ramon in center, and um, and Stephen Piscotti in right. And then Mark Cannon left, and he like made the point because uh, one of the Yankees players, uh, the the third base coach held him. Uh, there was a, uh, a like a, a, play, a, a single the outfield from second base, and the second base runner ran to third, and probably on every other outfield in Major League Baseball, um, the runner probably makes an attempt at home, but the base runner held him up, and and. Uh, uh, the play-by-play announcer was like, and he holds him up at third. Wow, blah, blah, blah. And Ron Darling's like, this is probably the best arms in uh, th- these three guys. This is the best uh, throwing outfield uh, in Major League Baseball right now. You have three guys who just on a regular basis just throw guys out. So I agree with that move by by the third base coach, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, it, it's just the 
that year was just a insane defense and insane offense, and he was a big part of that. He, I think he kind of like started the the revolution of like, okay, this team, like you know, nationally recognized, like this team plays fucking defense. A former Oakland great, Ron Darling, by the way. Yeah, I bring like that um, two years. Uh, from 1991 to 1995. Nice. But my favorite Ramon memory, uh, obviously, him trying to fight the entire Houston Astros in 2020. Yeah. That shit yeah. ruled. And that just showed you, like, that was him. That was who he wanted the team to be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That it's like, nah, dude, you're not playing that shit. You're playing me. You're playing everybody. <laughs> And uh, it just showed me that he's a fighter, man. So, and that's why I hope he can still continue to like find success in the majors because, like, that's who he is, man. He's got that fiery spirit. And uh, best of luck. But you know what? Like you said, future's here, baby. New Oakland, Lawrence Butler. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Oakland, our old friend. Actually, I'm not going to call him an old friend anymore. I wouldn't call him a friend. The freaking goblin who's been hiding in his cave for the last six months, wherever you want it. Dave Cavill, finally, for the first time in months, and this is as of today, August 8th, uh, he came out today and started tweeting for the first time in ages. And what was he tweeting about? Was he tweeting about uh, Vegas? Was he tweeting about uh, potential anything about the team itself? No, he was tweeting about the Schitzer Steel Fires that were happening in West Oakland. He's such a prick, dude. I mean, like... It just like it, he can't he couldn't pass up the I told you so moment. So he had to come on Twitter and, and, and bitch about it. Yeah. So the quick summary of what was happening um, that, yes, Chris, you nailed it, dude. It really was. I told you so. I pretty much he was saying, like, this is the reason why we uh, sat to see that the athletics have multiple lawsuits against Schitzer Steel. We would continue to pursue them. Um, and it was more just stuff along those lines. He was quote retweeting other tweets and saying the same thing that we have lawsuits against Schitts or Steel, and it was pretty much just saying like we told you these guys suck, and how yeah. they weren't going to be bi- good business partners with the baseball stadium anyways. And um, honestly, all I can think of is like no one cares, dude. You suck. You've lost all credibility. Yeah. There's in the Bay Area where there is a lot of really heinous, volatile um, people with a lot of money. Somehow, Dave Cavill and John Fisher just continue to find themselves into like the top three spots of those people. Yeah, dude. It's just, I uh, I don't really know what more to say about it. Like, I don't know what he expected to get out of that. If like. If he thought like Ace Friends would be like, oh man, yeah, you were doing the right thing. Like, no, he he wanted to he wanted to rub it in our faces. That's why he went out there and, and did that. He's a little bitch, bro. I, I just don't have the patience for it anymore. Kind of, I'm just tired of uh, saying the same thing on this podcast over and over about it. And, <clears throat> He's a used car and, salesman, and especially like because like my, my Twitter is like. 90% A stuff because we do this podcast well, because I like the A's but also we do this podcast and we interact with our fans and our and our listeners and fans is probably not a good word uh, our listeners and, and the community and it's just like every time I go on there I can't escape the the like crazy the just constant fan service of 
talking about the move to Vegas. It's just like it it's always in my feed uh whether I want it to be there or not and for this guy, which means what I'm trying to say is like that's just like all we can kind of talk about. Like Ace fans, it's all we're thinking about trying to promote reverse boycotts and stuff like that. And for this guy to fucking come on there and be like, I told you so, like he can just go fuck himself. Like that's just such a fucking prick move. And he's just proving over and over again that he's a, he's a piece of shit. It really just sucks because outside of everything that's happening in Oakland right now, this has been an awesome baseball season. There's been so many super surprising teams. Otani's having like the best season ever. You've got a lot of these young studs who we've been hearing some rumblings about for a few years finally come up and finally showed who they are with like Adley Rutschman and like Corbin Carroll. And like mm-hmm. you got like international sensations coming out of nowhere like Mashitaka Yoshida. But like we can't we can't really celebrate that because like mm-hmm. our team is just really like we first perfect game thrown against us in 30 years happened this year. Yeah. And like, yeah, the reverse boycott stuff is great. And having the reception in like other opposing stadiums is great, but it's like we wish we didn't have that. This didn't have to happen. This yeah. like that being our highlight of the season sucks. Speaking of which, Matt Olson went on. Pardon my take this week, and for all the listeners out there, I would recommend listening to it. It was really good, and he really like showed love and and support of our fan base, and talked about how sad it is that they're leaving. And I will give it to big cat and pft also they know how diehard of a fan base we are and they showed appreciation for it too and they were talking about how like like yeah like we're all for the reverse boycott blah blah blah. but it it was cool and and it was cool to see matt olson like speak out on it because you know he's a pretty quiet guy so for him to say something and show appreciation thought it was pretty cool so yeah rock on one time I'll give credit to Barstool. It's not my cup oh, of tea. I love Barstool's content. They're hilarious. I love their shit. Hit and miss for me. It's just Dave Portnoy just is the absolute worst. Yeah, that's kind of his persona though. Yeah. He you know what? He owns it. Screw it. He's like Vince Mc... He's like the modern day Vince McMahon in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I I I didn't like him at first too, but I kinda respect what he does and you know, he Yeah. Well, I don't respect the decision i don't respect like the some of the weird stuff he says but uh but but i res- i respect his his uh his persona uh, all right uh preview coming schedule um we are the a's are heading to washington dc to play the nationals this weekend and then they head uh, a little bit further down south to the midwest to st louis to play the cardinals on monday to wednesday you know both those teams suck can't really give too optimism for those games. I gotta say, I did pull up the rest of the schedule for actually uh Nationals have been playing much better ball lately. They swept the Giants a few weekends ago, which just didn't make Giants sense. Are, but but Giants are on a rut right now. They're yeah. Like downward spiral. Yeah, it's hilarious. I'm always having a good time when that happens. Um <laughs> But like, yeah, the National Star and a great team. The Cardinals are just falling off a cliff this year. And then yeah. they, they're going to be playing the Orioles in Oakland, which will be uh, – that's going to be a tough series. Can't mm-hmm. skimp around that. But then they get to play Kansas City in Oakland. They play at White Sox, at Mariners. And then um, it gets a little bit more brutal where they play – and then at – versus the Angels. And then it gets brutal again when they play the Blue Jays, Rangers, Astros, Padres. So, hey, this next 
rest of August might actually be some potentially winning baseball for the A's. I think that'll be really great, especially with like the most important thing for this team right now is like, I think all these new guys are coming up. We're all familiar with each other and they know how their quirks are because they've been playing for yeah. a few years. I think this is a good opportunity for these guys to figure out how to win on a major league level. And with this schedule coming up, that's your opportunity. Take it. Bringing up Seattle. That reminds me. I wanted to say something about that. Uh, you take a look, taking a look at the, those Mariners, that Mariners record lately. Remember I, I was claiming them uh, around the all-star break. I'm like, I don't know, man, look, Mariners are about 500, but they're going to start coming. That's too talented of a team. They're looking pretty good. They're only a game and a half behind the last wild card spot. They're 62 and 52. Ooh, look at you. Chris Adamas. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, all right, Julio, who's your essential tailgate tool of the coming week? My essential tailgate tool is going to be J.P. Sears. He had a bit of a rough start against... Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, J.P. Sears, our, our ace this year. Um, he had a bit of a rough start against the Rangers this past week. Uh, looking forward to him going up against a little bit better or a little bit worse of a lineup and kind of bounce back from there because we've seen him do that multiple times throughout this season now. So J.P. Sears, get it back together, baby. Get it back together, J.P., bro. Come on now. You're making me look bad. You're the only short guy in the entire rotation. You got to show him what's up. Uh, mine's going to be Zach Geloff. I, he, dude, he's just so fucking good. I just want him to keep playing, like give us Ace fans something to watch. Like, this, you know, he's been – let me see. He's played how many games? This is 22 games this season. He's got six home runs. He's hitting two fifty, which is pretty good for uh, um, uh, Oakland Coliseum. He's scored 15 runs. Like, he's brought in 11 – like, this. he's just – he's playing so well. He's playing well at, on defense over at second base too. Like, Tyler Soderstrom's going to be a slow burn. The guy's only 21 years old. It, you know, it'll happen. Uh, I, which, by the way, I like how players are younger coming up now. They're not, like, in their mid-20s. Like, I really like that about the modern-day league. Um, but uh, at, Zach Geloff at least has been everything that we were um, promised and told. So uh, keep, keep it going, Zach. You're my essential take. Give us something to keep Keep giving us something to watch every game. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and give us an up. We got a shorter episode today, so I'm just going to give us an unintentional or intentional tangent here. That's going to be our spinoff podcast, by the way, intentional uh, tangent. Zach Galoff freaking rules. I I am in love with everything I've seen from him so far into this season. And like, I I thought for sure, like Soda Strom was going to be the one to probably figure out things faster. But like, we complete like, it kind of sucks that they both got called up the same day because it kind of like takes away the excitement from one or the other. And we're just going to be comparing them for some time. But like, I think I've been most impressed about like he one, I didn't realize he's six, two for a second baseman. He's huge. It's big. And it's to the point. I don't know if he should be playing second as a, a career second baseman. I think he's too big to be playing over there. Like why not? Why haven't we tried switching it out him with Jordan Diaz? I've Jordan Diaz play more second. I know he's played a little bit more. Jordan second. Diaz has a stronger arm. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's on the Zach Geloff has has a bad arm. Um, it's just that Jordan Diaz has a stronger arm. But he's Zach has just been like the prince that was promised right now, man. Uh, it's yeah, been so fun, exciting. Um, I I was really thinking about like how did his like development kind of spring much more faster when. 
and then Soderstrom got called up around or got drafted around the same draft because he because Zach is a more co- complete player. Tyler Soderstrom has more talent and more potential because of his talent. He's got you know just more athletic. He's bigger. He's got more power. But Zach Galloff is a more complete player. He played college ball at University of Virginia, which is a very good baseball school. That's true. That's true. And then other thing that was kind of like, um, I haven't heard a lot of conversation about it, but I remember it because it's still pretty fresh to us. But like, he was on Team Israel for the World Baseball Classic. So like, even if Israel didn't do a lot in the World Baseball Classic, at least having that time to like learn around other. I don't think Israel had much of a team that was too major league heavy, but just learning from other professionals and to they had a couple guys like I can't see the name off the top of my head, but there's a couple guys. I know Ian Kinsler was the coach, but um, it's again with this season where nothing's going right. You try to find the diamonds in the rough, and I think for the rest of this season we have found our guy. Whereas. It was Brent Rooker and Esri Ruiz to take us to those first few months this season. Um, The first couple months after that, uh, J.P. Sears really showed up to be our ace. And I think for the rest of the year, it's going to be like, it's the Zach Galloff show. He's already hit two in the lineup. And it's he's done been nothing but impressive so far. I think after the first week, he was hitting two in the lineup. Like, like, like Mark Katze was all in on him after that first week. You're muted, bro. I think this is going to be really good for <laughs> Kotze for the rest of the year too, because this is now the team that he this will is his be. Team. This is his team, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like if the intention was his team before, it was still a little bit of Bob Melvin's team. This yeah, is now his team. So if this is going to be the team that, if the plan is to keep him as the manager for the at least another two, three years, these are the guys who he's really going to make his impact on, and. Yeah. The thing that made me think about that a little bit more recently was looking at the Padres and just seeing, like, what the hell's going on over there, right? And it's like, yeah. Bo Mel's such a good manager. How has he letting this fall apart? And I think that was smart of the A's front office to not allow him to poach more coaches than he did and that the only guys he took with them was Ryan Christensen. Because yeah. I think there's something to say about this bench staff where, like, hell, if they can help this team get turned around – within a couple years, they got to get a lot of credit for it. They got to get even dudes like freaking Darren Bush and how much hatred we've given him over the years. They got to get some credit over there because they've been able to, he's not the fucking hitting coach anymore. That's probably what's successful now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So who knows if they can help turn these guys around and we see Bo Mel, unfortunately still fluttering in San Diego, then maybe there's something right going on over here. Maybe yeah. Maybe the front office is a little bit smarter than we've been saying the last couple of years. I don't think we've been criticizing the front office. I think we've been criticizing the owner who doesn't empower the front office. Well, I'm not saying us as in you and I. Like, I think we have the thing about with us is I think we know that like we have still have one of the better front offices in the game, and it's been proven for the last couple of decades. I can they can know how to figure these things out. Yeah. It's more of just like how's going to click together. Zach Goloff, sure. though, you are the essential tell toolgate of the year. <laughs> and fun fact: his brother just started playing the Dodgers minor league system. Brother, brother plays with Dodgers, my number two team, so I get to root for two Galoffs. Yeah, and his dad was a, I think, a former major leaguer too. Oh, was he? 
Yeah, I've been hearing some conversations about. His brother was a first, one of the first round picks this this in this draft this year. Yeah. Uh, where the heck was his dad? Anyways, we'll talk offline about it. But okay. I just wanted to give right. credit where credit's due. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I agree. I mean, this is going to be the rest of the season is going to be a Zach Geloff show, and then it'll be a few fun moments from Tyler Sodestrom, from from Lawrence Butler, from Jordan Diaz. Um, who's also been a bright spot, especially with his bat. Um, all those guys. This Rui Rui is going to keep stealing bases. You know, maybe we'll see Mason Miller back pretty soon. That'd be pretty fucking tight. Um, and then we can kind of get, like, the, the key players of the future um, going. Um, something to look forward to. Um, oh, and also, uh, it, during the White Sox series, uh, uh, White Sox fans are organizing a reverse boycott when the A's come to town to do the fifth inning. So that's pretty cool how we got other fan bases on board. We're not even organizing that one. They're doing it. They reached out to uh, last I bar to organize it. So uh, look out for that for the fifth inning, uh, sell the team chance and it'll be a fun time. Um, Julio, maybe a more optimistic ending, uh, ending uh, the pod chant this, this week. Oh, of course. We'll agree at two. Okay. Of course it's, we got to go with the classic, Let's go, Oakland. Of course. Sell the team. Oh, sell the sign. team. That's what's Sell up. the team. For the listeners, he's waving a sell yeah, time. A little mini sell. Shout out to uh, Gamer Gabe. I ran into him at the Dodger game. Gamer Gabe. Hell yeah. Damn. How do we How do we end the podcast now? Because we were talking during the end of it. Uh, let's go. No, let's. let's uh, I'll just do a regular. Let's All right. Go, last but not least. Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. So. Oh.